Our scripture passage for today is found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. Now, I think you probably know me well enough to know that I am never quite content with finding the passage that you thought I might find. <laughs> so this is the passage that you didn't think that I would find. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I am going to begin today <clears throat> by reading from Proverbs 31, <clears throat> the epilogue, The Wife of Noble Character. A wife of noble character who can find... She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. <clears throat> she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also when he praises her, saying, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And now turning to Second Kings, <coughs> chapter 4. Verses 8 through 37. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, Tell her, You have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? <clears throat> she replied, I have a home among my own people. And I leave off there to continue next week. Let's pray. Dear Father, we give you thanks for your word. 
<clears throat> we pray that we might learn from your words the lessons that you have for us. We pray that we might be encouraged and inspired by the examples of Scripture so that our lives would grow more and more in keeping with your word. <clears throat> we ask these things confident in the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I would like to combine a biblical example with the various biblical principles and guidelines <clears throat> that give direction for women who, who desire to live out their lives in godliness. <clears throat> it's no mistake for us to say that there are countless standards vying for attention today. Those girls who are growing up... <clears throat> Grown women are all bombarded, hit again and again, with such a variety of conflicting example and advice <clears throat> that it is a different world than it used to be. Now, you've heard that statement countless times, but it is not just a cliché to say that it is a different world than it used to be. Even our commercials <clears throat> acknowledge this fact. Imagine one of the split-second shift, scene shift commercials occurring back in the... 80s or the 70s or the 60s or further back. That's where I stop. <clears throat> Imagine those things, commercials of today appearing back then. People wouldn't know what to make with them. <clears throat> These commercials, <clears throat> excuse me, shoot by on the screen at dizzying speeds. They are seeking to make a fleeting impression rather than to present a solid view <clears throat> which can be analyzed and evaluated and critiqued. In the same way, the culture, through the media, through our neighbors, through our schools, and in so many different ways, promotes a host of different models and makes from which we can choose what we desire to follow and how we desire to live, <clears throat> by example or by instruction. We are not in a world today in which families grow up and live in the same place from generation to generation. Learned, therefore, because of their closeness to one another, their ways of living from parents, grandparents, aunts, <clears throat> and others who shared the same beliefs, the same upbringing, the same values and standards. Nowadays, people go their separate ways. The children grow up, they move away. They live in the culture where they, <clears throat> before they're able to follow an example or a role model, they have to analyze it. They're not able to accept something immediately as they were once able to, having known the way of their parents' upbringing, able to accept their parents' ways and continue to follow the model that their parents set for them. Nowadays, it's difficult to find healthy role models. <clears throat> More difficult to avoid unthinkingly accepting the wrong teaching and modeling that we are immersed in throughout our culture. <clears throat> so as we consider womanhood and motherhood, we go to the fountain of knowledge, which is Scripture. <clears throat> there are many in our world today, and perhaps those within our families as well, who proclaim to follow different masters and look for knowledge in other places. <clears throat> Even some who will search their own personal storehouse, not realizing that any wisdom that they have comes from God. 
perhaps learning the hard way in the same way in which Nebuchadnezzar learned that wisdom came from God and not from his own prideful heart. Remember spending seven years eating the grass in the field out in the rain and the dew as a, as a cow. <clears throat> but we know that all wisdom comes from God. And only by following the instructions from the Word of God can we find peace and wisdom to live lives that are holy, worthy, and full of peace and joy. <clears throat> and so I have chosen to look for us to look at this morning this passage from 2 Kings to see the life of a woman whose name is not recorded, but whose life is well represented in these pages. <clears throat> she is a Shunammite woman. She lived during the time of Elisha the prophet. Remember, Elisha was the student of Elijah. The J came before the S-H. <clears throat> and Elisha was a mighty man of God. <clears throat> and this woman came to know Elisha well. The first we read of her is of her consideration and hospitality, not only for a stranger, but for a holy man of God, as she comes to describe him in verse 9. It is well said in Proverbs 31.20 of the wife of noble character that, as it says there, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. <coughs> now, we all understand that a wife, and if she also happens to be a mother, regardless of whatever is she is in the situation, you see this situation here, this woman is a wife, she has no children. We understand that it's only natural for women to have a concern for their home. And so to seek to provide, to make that place, not just a house, but as we like to describe it, a home. And make sure that <clears throat> the meals or whatever things she has charge of are done well and done pleasantly and done for the benefit of those who are part of her family. <clears throat> this is not only a natural tendency, it's a biblical mandate <clears throat> that a woman should, if she is married, care for her husband and her family, serving them even as the family works together in order to fulfill the needs of their life together. <clears throat> it is not usually noted in our culture today or even as we examine Scripture that concern for others does not end in the confines of the home with the family. <clears throat> we see that from this woman, as we see it described in Proverbs 31, for a wife of noble character, generosity towards others is a hallmark of hers. Generosity towards others. <clears throat> Again, this is not only a characteristic employed towards her family, or bestowed upon her friends. She demonstrates Compassion, interest, and generosity, even to strangers. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof, put a bed in it and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. <clears throat> We know throughout Scripture that this concern and compassion for others is something that demonstrates godly character. This Shunammite woman is demonstrating hospitality. That's the word that we have for it. 
explicitly in the context of the home and providing from her possessions and her home to meet the needs of others. <coughs> and she is demonstrating hospitality towards Elisha and Gehazi. She was concerned enough for their well-being <clears throat> for their needs that she began by offering Elisha a meal. She made it a habit so that he knew that he was invited whenever he was in town. And soon she added to that a special place, especially prepared for him to stay whenever he passed through, so that he knew he would have a peace and comfort, a blessed gift in a foreign country, and a home away from home. As we consider our culture, our circumstances, circumstances of any day and any time, we know that there are many people who are uncomfortable having strangers staying with them. Eating with them would be the first step of lack of comfort. Staying with them would certainly go much farther beyond eating with them. Some are even uncomfortable having family members stay with them. So the idea of a separate room for the visitor, if we consider this particular passage here, now, no nudges here. <laughs> we love having family members stay with us. <clears throat> but in this situation, the idea of a separate room is appealing. You can think, run this through, and you mash, you run through the machinery of your mind. And say, yes, now that is the way to go. Andrew, I like your situation. A separate room, able to close off doors from this side so that they can get out the front and shut those doors off, bar them, lock them, and never the twain shall meet. This is, in essence, what she did, right? She made a room up on the roof. Okay? But what I'm describing and the basis for what I'm describing is <clears throat> a sense which says, all right, if I've got to do it, then this is how I'm going to do it. Right? If I've got, if I really have to do it, then the best thing to do is to, is to insulate myself as best possible from the intrusions of these strangers. And, and I'll do it, but not exceedingly willingly. <clears throat> now, some of us would like to <laughs> put a room on top of that roof <laughs> for visitors. <laughs> Maybe even leave the top of it open. <laughs> And then we'd be down in our house, oh, Lord, make it rain. <laughs> but you can see that, that this is not the, the character of this woman at all. It happened to be the place which was common to add on extra rooms. We saw this down in Colombia. <clears throat> um, those of you who have been in other countries where they build flat roofs, no snow, there, were, uh, there was rebar going up from the top of the first floor sticking up above the roof line, flat roofs, the staircase up the side, and rebar sticking up. And sometimes there was a little bit of a wall that went up there. Sometimes they did their washing up there. And sometimes they were just getting a head start on the second floor. <clears throat> and so that's sort of the idea here with regard to the Shunammite woman. <clears throat> but her concern for Elisha and Gehazi <clears throat> is not that, well, if, if, I, if, if they need a home and, and I'm going to provide it, then let's do it in his, in his un, um, un, uncomplicated and uninterfering uh, way as possible. No, she is completely interested in him and his welfare. She's intimately concerned with his needs. She is concerned with this man. He's a stranger. He passes through often. And so she goes from taking the first step, 
<clears throat> taking the sex, second step, it goes from, would you come and eat with us, to come by anytime you're in town. We, you know, you're, you're always welcome at our table. To the third step, which is um, <clears throat> the, the conclusion of this particular plan, we have a room for you. You need to plan on, when you come through here, make yourself comfortable, make yourself at home, rest, stay for as long as you wish, leave when you have to or when you wish. <clears throat> and so they are demonstrating the concern and compassion for this man. <clears throat> now, what we see from Elisha is a man <clears throat> who accepted this graciousness on her part and the part of her husband. And we see beyond that a man who truly benefited from it. In verse 11, it says this with great abruptness. He made himself comfortable. Verse 11, we read, One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and laid down there. Sort of like this was home. So he went up and said, Time for a little rest. He lay right down. No bothering about the formalities or any of these other things. He just went up, laid down, and he said to his servant, Ah, you can imagine him, perhaps, I'm, I'm oh, exaggerating it, yes, but you can imagine him lying there with his legs crossed in bed and saying, this is quite a place. Gehazi, bring that lady here. What can be done for her? This is wonderful. <clears throat> and so that is the position that she, because of her concern for a stranger, whom she made much more than a stranger, who became a close intimate of her family. This is how he was blessed as a result of her giving to him. <coughs> this woman not only <coughs> displayed generous generosity to these strangers, she was also very clearly not looking for a ward. <coughs> When he came and he went up to his room and lay down there, he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So Gehazi called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? <clears throat> can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have my home. <clears throat> I have a home among my own people. <clears throat> So far was, was reward from her mind. Now, now you've got to understand that in, in the sense of worldly possessions, Elisha was, had no wealth. In the sense of eternal possessions, he was a very powerful and influential man. So she was certainly providing for a poor man. But it's interesting to note in the context of him asking her, is there anything that we can do for you? Like a king would say, up to half of my kingdom, I will give it to you. And her response was, I have what I need. Um, in the context of Elisha and all the miracles that he performed, some astounding miracles, <clears throat> she was not thinking along these lines. She didn't say to herself, maybe one day this will pay off. This was unselfishness demonstrated by her towards these strangers. The service to the Lord in the midst of it. He asks her what he can give to her, and there are a few people when asked how they could be helped who would explicitly respond in this way. I have what I need. 
This is far from the conniving that can be so apparent in the hearts of many. But in the heart of a woman, for instance, who is completely in contrast to this woman, in the heart of a woman who should be a manipulator or connives and schemes, it is very unlikely that a stranger such as Elisha would have found a comfortable and peaceful home or even a welcome, because these things do not hide well. And yet his ease in this home demonstrates the fact that he's aware that there are no strings attached, that this is unmitigated generosity, a selfless sacrifice on her part. (coughs) She was not considering her own benefit, but instead considering Elijah's benefit and blessing, working and contributing to, to him and to Gehazi. Now, I think one of the other things that we need to see in this passage through her demonstration is that she was working through this. She was working for their blessing. It was not an easy thing. It was not something whereby we could say, it says in the passage, she was a well-to-do woman. She snaps her fingers and it gets done. Elisha makes it clear when he says to Gehazi, tell this woman, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Trouble, work, labor. Now, certainly, she had servants, as we see later in the passage, as I'll look at next week. She had servants who would have done many of the things in her household, sort of like maybe we have a dishwasher and a refrigerator and, and uh, water spigots and don't have to go to the well for water or these sorts of things. But nonetheless, Gehazi was, uh, excuse me, Elisha was an intelligent man. And he was able to see that there was a great deal of work involved in this. If you've ever had people in your home, uh, there's the occasional rare person who thinks that to have someone over for dinner or to have someone stay overnight is no work. (laughs) And those of us who have been involved in that, all of us at one time or another, can laugh when we hear that because we know it is work. There is a great deal of effort and trouble that goes into these sorts of things. And it's a sacrifice out of love and generosity. And that Elisha, he was smart. He didn't say... Because you've been so nice to us, we'd like to do something for you. He says, you've gone to all this trouble. That's the kind of man that we men need to be, ah, to see the work that goes on around us and demonstrate appreciation and thankfulness. Say, that was not a small task. That was a good and large task. In those days, there were no telegraph services, no cell phones, no semaphore flags, nothing along these lines. Perhaps the servant Gehazi went ahead to prepare the way for Elisha. When Gehazi arrived, it would certainly not have been easy for this woman to have said, Oh, oh no, we're not, we're not ready for you now. We, we, um, this isn't a good day. <laughs> well, uh, the master's you know, a couple hours behind. You want me to run back and tell him, uh, Sorry, it won't work today. No. She had to have the room ready. She had to be ready at a moment's notice to welcome them to dinner, breakfast, or lunch. She had to have all of the things provided for him, and this took effort. Despite all these reasons for her not to put out this effort... She opened her home to Elisha and Gehazi and made them free to come and go at will 
courtesy of the hospitality of her and her husband. That brings us to another matter in considering the example of the wife of noble character. We were talking along a similar issue in the, in the Sunday school, adult Sunday school class this morning. But in this lady, we see a woman who did not only exert herself to minister to others, she influenced her husband <clears throat> to join her and use his possessions for ministry. Now, those of us who are husbands <clears throat> can thank the Lord with intense gratitude for giving us wives who will seek to use our homes and our possessions and our efforts to bless and minister to others. Oftentimes, we as husbands are too busy going about the daily work. Just got to do that. Got to do that. Got that on my list. I hope I'll get that done in the next 10 years. Uh, <clears throat> we've got these things that we're planning on doing. And how gracious to have a wife who says there's someone in need. Hey, let's do thus and such and so and so. Can we do it on us and such a day? That's a good idea. Let's, that's good. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. <clears throat> she influenced her husband to join her and use his possessions for ministry. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof, put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. <clears throat> husband agreed and joined in the plan. <clears throat> Those who do not accept God's description of male leadership in the home, female submission to that leadership, often wish to state that what the biblical view is really doing is making women inferior. They accuse those who hold to the biblical view, they accuse them of demeaning women. Pretend that the Bible's clear instruction on these points could not be true without women being treated as though they were second rate, or as though they had no more input into the decisions and actions of a couple and family than as if they were children in the household. We see in this account that this is just not so. We see this throughout the account of Proverbs 31. <clears throat> she spoke clearly to her husband about a decision that was not minor. She explained her thinking. She suggested her plan. She gave her reasons. She fleshed out what was necessary. <clears throat> and the next thing we see in our passage is Elisha in that room in their house that was described as his room. He went up to his room, and he lay down without ceremony, without a buy your leave. Ah, this is comfortable. I'm back at my home away from home. She had but to suggest it, and it was done. <clears throat> Unfortunately, to our great regret and sorrow, it is not always this way between a wife and her husband. Oftentimes, it is quite different. <clears throat> Often, the husband does not appreciate the partner, that the Lord has given him and finds something in her suggestions and counsel that perhaps irritates him or threatens him or which he is just plain not going to accept. And so she does not find a responsive ear. Sometimes this is her fault. Oftentimes it is his. <clears throat> for wisdom in learning how to present a suggestion, whether for wives to convince their husbands or for any one of us to convince those who have the decision-making power in a situation, in which we do not have the decision-making power. Examples from Scripture such as this one give us great insight in <clears throat> teaching us what we need to consider in making decisions and seeking to influence others, to see what we see and to take appropriate action based upon the truths we see, the needs we have observed, and the plans of action we have identified to meet those needs. 
If you look at what she said to her husband, you'll find a ready description of how we should be ready to seek to influence others. What should be at our fingertips when we are seeking to get someone else who has decision-making power to make the decision that we feel is the right one. I would encourage you to read that if you are in a situation like that. However, we see in this passage, and I think this is very interesting, one of the most interesting things I found in this passage, that this is not the first man whom she has proven her ability to convince. Who was the first man she proved her ability to convince? Right. That's right. We've read in verse 8, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. This woman had prevailed upon Elisha to consider himself welcome to their table. The word in the New International Version is urged. She urged him to stay for a meal. Now, it may not seem like a very womanly thing, Some people think that strong encouragements by others are distasteful. But that is exactly how this woman's influence upon Elisha is described. She, as it says in the King James, prevailed upon him. (laughs) The word here is used in its hazak. This meaning is defined by the following words, depending upon the context of the words throughout the Old Testament. Strong, repair, hold, strengthen, strengthen, harden, prevail, encourage, take, courage, caught, stronger, hold. Now, these are descriptions of a word that has very manly, masculine overtones. And yet this woman employed what might be fair in describing as as (laughs) arm-twisting. You look at that word, and she used it in the context of Elisha. All right, if you insist... (laughs) She convinced him. She insisted that he stay for dinner with them. Now, before you conclude that I'm taking this example from Scripture and using it or stretching it farther than might be warranted, because it is clear that a lot of what we see people doing in the Scriptures are not right or godly, let me suggest that whatever she did in this context must not have had any ring of falsehood or brazenness in it. Otherwise, we know Elisha would not have stayed, right? And if he stayed once, he would not have made a habit of staying. And if even if he had stayed more than once, he certainly would not have found such a place comfortable for his home away from home. <clears throat> With that, so we go back to her motivation to be of service to this man who was traveling through her town. With that purpose in her heart, Who can fault her for insisting that he stay for dinner? It was not for her benefit, but instead for his. For his benefit and blessing, for his peace and comfort, for the satisfaction of his hunger, she insisted, you must stay for dinner. I insist. Again, I intend to further examine this passage, this woman, and what happened in this context next week. But in conclusion today, I believe we need to turn the light of this passage to shine on ourselves to find the benefit and direction that are available here. It is clear that for us, for the women in our midst as well as the men, we too must make generosity our hallmark. And in doing so, we quickly see what the scriptures teach throughout. Now this is a day that we 
it's the Lord's Day first and foremost. But beyond that, it's the day that we honor is Mother's Day. Mother's Day, as I know from my home, can oftentimes be a very difficult day for those who have not been blessed with children. <clears throat> we read in Romans 16.13, as Paul writes, greetings to the Roman church. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Apparently, the ministry that we see in our passage in 2 Kings is timeless. <clears throat> it occurred for Elisha, it occurred for Paul. We know that it occurs today also. On this day, as we celebrate Mother's Day, let the words of this account from 2 Kings in the life of Elisha and the greeting, which says so much in so little of Romans, make one thing exceptionally clear to us. Being a mother involves ministering to the needs of others, and it is not limited to biological children. Being a mother means ministering to the needs of others. It is not limited to biological children. Rufus' mother ministered to Paul so that he considered her to have served him as a mother. A Shunammite woman ministered to Elisha so that he benefited from her even as though he were her own child. So, for you younger and older women, never forget that your ministry is to expand beyond the doors of your home. And in so doing, you serve Christ and his church, gaining spiritual children who are thankful for your demonstration of compassion and loving ministry along the way. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever belittle that. That is a ministry, as we sang in the hymn this morning about our adoption by Christ, that is a ministry where you go out of your way. It's natural to care for your own children. But who among us care for those who are not our children? That is an exceptional ministry. And so the following, as you are able, serve others, not for your own ends, but for their benefit and blessing. Seek God's reward, not man's reward, or praise in what you do, and you will never be disappointed. Do not hesitate to use your ability to convince others and influence them to bring about what is right and good. Expand your sights to see more clearly those in need in order to minister to them. Use the wisdom God has given you to grant those who seek it from him to convince others with sound reason and enlist your husband and others in doing the work that you see is necessary. Work diligently and unselfishly in all that you do. And finally, regard those seemingly chance meetings. When you come upon a stranger... When you come upon somebody you haven't seen for some time, regard those chance meetings as quite possibly divine appointments. For God is giving you the opportunity to minister to another, even as the Shunammite woman ministered to Elijah. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we give thanks for biblical examples of women who ministered with great love and compassion to strangers, to those who were not their own family. We ask that you would make us just such people, that we would praise the women in our midst with great thanksgiving and honor them as the great and glorious, gracious gift from you that they are. In Jesus' name, amen.